Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Your coordination and sounds built to stimulate around the eyes. Greatest and greatest wellness trends, treatments, and experience. Work that Magnesium is naturally found in foods like... This is the Well and Good Podcast. Tune in to find the wellness that fits your frequency. Taylor Camille, senior producer here at Well and Good, and today we're talking all things sleep, or really lack of it. For the last few years, a good night's sleep has been extremely hard to come by for me personally. And being an insomniac almost felt like a very lonely club until the pandemic happened. And I started to notice more and more people tweeting and commenting how they too were desperate for a perfect night of sound sleep. With inconsistent schedules, chronic stress, uncertainty about money, and screens seemingly at our every turn, our brains and bodies have been in overdrive. And our collective sleep has been affected so much so, we've even coined new terms like revenge bedtime procrastination and coronasomnia. Pre-COVID-19, it was estimated that 35 to 50% of American adults alone experienced symptoms of insomnia. And between April and May of 2020, there was an increase of 58% in searches for insomnia on Google. So at this point, it feels like many of us are in this ship together. And if you're like me, you're probably desperately looking for ways to stop the cycle, help your brain and help your body feel at ease when it's time to turn the lights out. As many of us know, taking small steps to improve our sleep hygiene is important, not just for disease prevention, but for overall health, mental health, and wellness. But finding the energy to take the first step when you feel so incredibly fatigued can be extremely overwhelming. So how do we get back to a sound sleep? When we experience bad sleep, it can feel like it will just always be like this and that we're forever going to sleep badly. You know, yes, it may feel really horrible and dark, but nothing is is permanent. And particularly when it comes to sleep, it's all workable. My problems with sleep is what got me to try meditation about 10 years ago. If you've ever used the app Headspace to meditate or sleep, you may recognize that voice as Eve Prieto, one of the app's meditation and mindfulness teachers who also serves as their director of meditation and the narrator of their new series on Netflix, Headspace's Guide to Sleep. I was going through a very difficult time in my life, 
not in a good place. And I was waking up in the night repeatedly with a big ball of anxiety in my stomach. And I would also find it really hard to get to sleep. My mind was just in absolute overdrive, but also in my body as well. My body was very restless, very tight, very tense. You know, one day I actually woke up with this awful rash all over my, like, my throat, my hands, my arms, and it was from stress. I was like, wow, my body is physically reacting to what's happening in my life right now. And I think we, we push ourselves so much and we try and tell ourselves that we're okay. Maybe we don't even tell ourselves that we're okay until our body starts to say enough. If you want to reach the 70s or the 80s with a clear mind and well-functioning body, sleep is the key to that. That's Dr. Carly Otterweiss. She's a behavioral sleep doctor and a clinician scientist whose work involves sleep, circadian rhythms, and aging. So if we compare uh, light sleep and the deep sleep, light sleep, we have changes in our body temperature, changes in our heart rate variability, and also overall physical refreshing and recovery. We have less performance in the brain, less activity in the brain happening. In the deep sleep, the brain activity is very intense, meaning that the brain is having the opportunity to go back to all the memories we have through the day and decide what is going to be kept, what is going to be tossed, and also cleaning all those substances that go through the brain during the time that we are awake. So we need both sleep stages. But research tells us also how important it is to have both sleep stages for our immune system, for example, and for our menstrual cycle can be affected by that too. So it's important to think of sleep not just on the sleep perspective, but also understand that that has an impact in all systems of our bodies. We all know how important sleep is for our bodies, and we're aware of the basic rules of sleep hygiene. But if it was really that easy, then more of us would be sleeping. So what are we doing wrong? What's the issue? How can we reset? Eve reminds us. When it comes to sleep, I think the first place to start is looking at what's your current bedtime routine like? And is it working? (laughs) Most nights. This is a terrible, terrible thing. And I already know like everything that's wrong with it. But I don't really know when to finish work. But when I start to get tired, I'll make dinner if I have the energy or order something, eat and then lay on my couch and try to watch some Netflix or anything to try to like feel like I have a separation or disconnect time from staring at one screen to another screen, basically. That's what it ends up feeling like. And then I usually doze pretty quick. Like I don't have a problem falling asleep, but I have a problem staying asleep. And then mm. I'll wake up maybe so let's say I fell asleep at like 10 I might wake up at like midnight or one and then check my phone and I have friends on the west coast and they might have texted me so I text them back and then I might have like a little snack or like I don't know dessert something at that time and then (laughs) or maybe sometimes just water but it sometimes I just feel like I should stay up a little bit so then I kind of stay up from that window for like two hours like one to three or like one to four and then I fall asleep again 
And I'm trying, especially now doing this episode, trying to set better habits, <laughs> but it's hard. And it's hard. I, I do find myself feeling like I need revenge, quote unquote, from the day of like taking back something that's mine. But it's been so hard in the pandemic for me, and I'm sure for many people to like, just go to bed and, and like feel tired enough to stay asleep. Um, yeah, that's my, that's my routine. <laughs> I, I've, I've noticed that every time that I say I'm a behavioral sleep medicine scientist, everybody is like, oh, I don't want to tell about my sleep because <laughs> you're going to judge me. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but <laughs> this feeling that we have collectively that we are missing out because now working from home or having those working hours that is hard to make boundaries or set boundaries for our personal life and to make sure that we are having time to talk to our friends or talk to our family mm -hmm. and just to do some things that are pleasant to us. This is a big problem that we are facing since the pandemic started. And I don't know exactly how we're going to manage to end that as, as, mm -hmm. as soon as everybody goes back to work. Because mm -hmm. I, I anticipate that we're going to have the opposite done because we are so used to work those extended work hours from home and then going mm -hmm. back to the office. How are we going to make up to have all the work done? You're going to come home and continue working. Yeah. Right? So, so I think that the sleep is going to be even worse from that perspective. Oh, man. But, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but, but but thinking about your your routine, um, I I see some areas that you can improve. First is that you're not allowing time to wind down, or to relax from your day. Mm -hmm. It's fine to watch some TV to relax, but that should not be the thing that is making you fall asleep, right? Mm -hmm. Because you have the screen there, and we know that the screen produces light that affects melatonin and that's most likely why you're waking up in the middle of the night mm -hmm. because you're shutting down that natural production of melatonin so it's okay to watch tv but make sure that that's not the reason why you're falling asleep you should have time to incorporate some relaxation techniques in your routine that could be some relaxing yoga that could be some meditation or reading a book with dim light. Also, you're telling me that you wake up in the middle of the night and then you go for a dessert or check your phone. That's definitely a behavior that you might want to change. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thinking about sleep, sometimes we forget that sleep is associated with other hormones. Uh, we have like melatonin, that is sleep hormone, but uh, because sleep is part of a circadian rhythm, a biological clock, there are other hormones that depending on the time that we are sleeping or awake to be working the best potential. For example, if you eat in the middle of the night, you are definitely affecting your glucose tolerance by having food at a time that you're usually not supposed to be eating. And so you definitely want to change that behavior. And I have friends who are in the West Coast or Europe, and it's very complicated to keep track and just to be a good friend with all these yeah. different time zones yeah. right because we are working most of the part of our days and then when we have a little time to talk to them it's usually late at night we want to make sure that we are reliable as friends yeah right so 
one thing that I, I did with my friends is you can text me anytime. I will answer during those hours. But if you have anything that needs to be answered, call me because mm. you know that my text is going to be blocked. But if you call me, I know that's something that cannot wait. Right. And then I'll definitely take care of that and I'll, I'll be there for you for that. But if not, you know, sometimes it's uh, something that they saw on Twitter. I'm like, this can wait until 7 a.m. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the more consistent we are, the better for our biological clocks and for our sleep. Change the behavior will help the biological clock adjust well and you're going to sleep well. And then overall physical and mental health is going to benefit from that. So if you can have a consistent bedtime and a consistent wake-up time and incorporate those behavioral changes on that, that's when you're going to benefit from sleep. I mean, babies can do it. It can't be that hard. Babies do it. So we can do it. That's Jordan Galloway, someone who has definitely made sleep work in her favor. In a past life, Jordan was a senior editor here at Well and Good. In this present moment, she's a freelance reporter and journalist, but back in 2018, she wrote a very compelling article on our site, and it only seemed right that we tap her for her expertise. I have always been a really good sleeper, always. I can fall asleep. If you give me five minutes anywhere on a, on a subway, which I know is not always great, in a car, I'm an awful shotgun passenger in a car on a road trip because I will just fall asleep like in five minutes flat, guaranteed. I went to Japan when I was 13. I slept through an earthquake, sleeping on the floor, like just never had a problem sleeping until I turned 30. And I would love to blame it on turning 30 and my Saturn returning. I, I'm pretty sure it had nothing to do with either of those things. I'm pretty sure my insomnia has something to do with genetics because my dad also has insomnia. And I just remember it being so disturbing, not just the sleep disruption, but not being able to get a good night's sleep, how that affected my energy. It was just kind of this foreign feeling to me that I had never had to deal with. 10 years before that, my first niece was born. I have five nieces and nephews now, but I just remember there was this one time when she was being sleep trained and learning to sleep in a crib by herself. I was home from college and she was spending the night at my parents' house. And if you have a small baby around, there are monitors in every room, essentially. And so I was trying to sleep on the couch and all I heard was what, I'm sure if you have kids, you're so familiar with this noise, but at 20 years old, having never been around a baby, they just make the most like heart-wrenching wailing noises when they're being sleep trained because they're trying to get you to get up and pick them up. And so part of the process is just like letting them sleep. And so I'm trying to go to sleep on the couch. I hear this noise. I go up to my parents and I basically say like, you are monsters. Like, how can you listen to this and not just get up? And they said, Jordan, she's sleep training. She has to learn to kind of self-soothe, to sleep on her own. You can't go and pick her up every time she cries. It's just part of the process of learning to sleep. And of course I immediately was like, I can't, I refuse. I can't listen to this. So I did go pick her up and we stayed up like, for hours and I did exactly the opposite of what they said and it worked exactly the way they said it would and I learned a lesson. So flash forward 10 years later and I'm trying to figure out how to 
handle my own insomnia. And for me, I had no problem getting to sleep, but what would happen is I would wake up in the middle of the night and feel wide awake. And so I just had this like light bulb moment go off and that's where I decided to start sleep training. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. If I woke up in the middle of the night, instead of turning on the TV or getting on my computer or getting on my phone or getting up, I just kind of stayed in bed and toughed it out. What works for Jordan might not work for the next person, but sleep training is really about finding what works for you and sticking to it in a really regimented way. Within a month of doing this, I got back on my regular schedule. And I think a a lot of that was just the consistency, going to bed at the same time every night, which for me is between nine and 10. And eventually I stopped waking up in the middle of the night. And by not stimulating myself when I did wake up in the middle of the night, I found it easier to fall back asleep. And now I just basically sleep like a baby. So this sleep training is behavioral therapy for insomnia. That's Dr. Weiss again. We use sleep hygiene and stimulus control to reorganize the scattering just to clean up those behaviors that affect sleep. I I used to tell my patients that we grew up on a sleep schedule as babies and we do that to kids, but we forgot to do that to ourselves. It's important to have that. So the more consistent in our routine, the better. So yeah, Jordan is doing great. I wanna <laughs> I wanna see her. I wanna know how how the sleep is going for her, and I, I'm sure that she noticed difference in her physical performance, in her cognitive performance, and her mental health mm-hmm. overall because of that. I would say I noticed a huge mood shift, and I I remember that feeling that just like slow, lethargic, just not energetic, tired. My focus was poor. I fatigued easier. And I just noticed that working on my sleep hygiene and cleaning that up, you know, I had so much energy that I had to stop drinking coffee. As I got deeper into my sleep training, I would wake up with a full battery and then I would supercharge it with a coffee. And over time, it's just like if you left any of your devices plugged in all the time, it negatively impacts their battery life. And so I realized that I was kind of spiking my energy that was already high and then feeling the side effects of coming down from that 
And I didn't need the coffee anymore because I was already energized. Has this still worked for you, even in the pandemic? Like, you're still able to stay asleep the whole night through? Or did you have some difficulties? No. I mean, I wish I could say that I was able to sleep soundly through the last year, but absolutely not. Unfortunately, sleep training does not make you immune to a global health crisis and all of the anxiety and stress that comes along with it. So obviously it was a really stressful year. I think we're all trying to find things that make us feel better. I essentially started meditating and just doing more of my mindfulness practices prior to falling asleep and then returning to them if I found myself waking up. And other things I would do would be like clean. Meditation does not just have to be sitting still with your eyes closed and like focused on your breath. That's a great type of meditation. And it's typically the type of meditation I would do before going to bed. But you can also do things that are more of a moving meditation. One of the things that helped me so much and has really transformed my relationship to my sleep is my meditation and mindfulness practice. That's Eve again. Yes, we can train the mind and there's lots of ways to do it. Being more mindful and aware is a big step in that process. If we're able to bring a little bit more awareness into how we're feeling in the day, what's happening in the day, what's happening in the body, what's happening in the mind, and then bringing more compassion, more kindness, more patience, more acceptance, we're able to view our problems and challenges with a little more clarity and a little more perspective, there's a chance that it will feel easier to navigate with the fact that the pandemic has just turned our lives upside down in addition to a lot of tragedy and a lot of injustice happening around us, grieving. I mean, the world's a really tough place to be right now. And that is going to show up both in our waking hours and then in how we sleep. Our bodies carry stress, we carry trauma, you know, it just because when we go to turn the light out at the end of the day, unfortunately, when we get into bed, we don't have those same distractions. So if we're carrying that sense of restlessness, carrying that sense of stress, anxiety with us into bed, if we can find a way to deal with that and manage that in the day, it hopefully means that when we get to bed at night, that we're more ready for sleep, we're more in tune with what's happening in the body, and the mind can settle that little bit faster. And with meditation and mindfulness, we intentionally take some time out of our day to practice and train the mind. Being in the present moment, free from distraction, with a soft and an open mind, practicing in the qualities of mindfulness, which it's called a practice because these are qualities that can be quite easy to lose when we get very caught up in the busyness of life. I myself have felt very caught up in the busyness of life. But after talking with Eve, Dr. Weiss, and Jordan, I was more motivated to try and start forming better habits. No falling asleep on the couch with the TV and lights on, noticing when I felt truly tired, and starting to prepare for bed then rather than looking for reasons to stay awake after the end of a long day. I felt like I not only needed to become more intentional about sleep, but also start practicing meditation. And so I did. Initially, I worried I wouldn't be able to focus for even five, let alone 10 minutes. 
without running through my to-do list for the day. But then I remembered Eve saying, it's really not about silencing the mind. It's more about noticing when we are distracted and getting back to focus. And so each morning I sit in a corner of my room facing a sign I've had posted for years that says, it's good you're here. It's good you are here. And I use that as sort of my focal point. And if my mind wanders throughout the meditation, I recenter with that sentiment. And as I started going to sleep at a more consistent hour of the night, I noticed that my wake up time started to follow suit. And I was waking up an hour before my 7.30 alarm I had set, ready to meditate before I started the day. And it just kind of felt like my own me time and really getting off on a foot that's less about hyper productivity and more just about settling in and setting the tempo. Yes, I'm worried that as our routines continue to shape shift and the world slowly opens up that this practice might be tricky to stick to. I think no doubt I'll fall back into the temptation that is texting my friends and scrolling social media at two in the morning that living in New York, I'll stay out late one night eating more than desserts at midnight. (laughs) But I think it's okay. It's a valid worry, but I do feel more confident in improving my sleep hygiene and less overwhelmed about forming a better overall relationship with sleep. Understanding that each of our paths are unique, but there are tools we can use to try to get back on track. And with all of that, I was curious to know how each of our guests would define sleep for themselves. Here's Jordan's take. I actually think that sleep is our primary state of consciousness. And what I mean by that is the part of us that is unconscious when we are asleep is actually, I think, maybe a smaller, more secondary part of who we are. Our brains and our minds and our bodies are so active when we're asleep that I think of it as our primary state of consciousness because that's when so much of the work is being done. And we might not be aware of it in the sense of the way we're aware of when we're walking through this world, but it doesn't mean that it's not happening. And I actually think it's the more important work. And I think of it in the same way as we do exercise, right? So when you're working out, that's not when you're transforming your body. The transformation happens after the workout when you're recovering. And I think the same thing about sleep. When we're up and awake and alert and doing our day-to-day, that's not when the magic is happening in terms of our mental processes. So when we're asleep and our altered consciousness is actually allowed to come online and do its work, like that's when we're the most productive. That's when we're getting the best healing and the best restorative aspects of our life that we can. Here's what Dr. Weiss had to say. I've been telling people a lot lately that sleep is not selfish. We're going to need our bodies to be working well and our brains to be working well. So taking that time for self-care, really saying, okay, I have this routine for my skin care. I have this routine for whatever care that we need, but Sleep needs to be incorporated on that self-care routine that we have for our wellness. If we're not sleeping well, we're not going to take care of ourselves and not going to be available for our friends and family as well. I, I 
you know, think about sleep as where we, much like meditation, where we're intentionally taking some time for the mind and the day. Sleep is really about intentionally resting the mind and the body. You know, obviously, we're unconscious, but it's a chance for us to restore, to rejuvenate, so that we can hopefully wake up feeling refreshed. I think a lot of us don't wake up feeling refreshed a lot of the time. It's that intentionality of rest for me. We can't have this perfect night's sleep every night, but I think it's if we can prioritize thinking about our sleep as a really important part of being healthy and happy, it means that how we show up in the world and what we get from our relationships will hopefully be a lot more fulfilling. We can't always have a perfect night's sleep, but we can work on it. We can find more moments to be mindful throughout the day, and we can redefine the ways we show up for others, prioritizing our rest as much, if not more than our working hours, and being present in this moment. Dealing with and acknowledging all the uncertainty and distractions life throws our way, but being intentional about how we wind down, how we reflect, and how we care for ourselves. On today's show, you heard from Eve Prieto, Dr. Carliata Weiss, and Jordan Galloway. This episode was produced by Ella Dove, Kate Spees, and myself, Taylor Camille, along with many other hands and brains at Well and Good. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and share. Our mixing and scoring by our sound engineer, Joanna Samuel, and our theme music was created by Madeline Lakomsky and Matt Domenico. Our show art was designed by Jenna Gibson and Karina Masonette. Special thanks to Jess Friedman, Ali Short, Jen Snyder, and Cassie Wolf. 